0: I don't know about you, but sometimes I will listen to a a variety of different radios or a podcast, if you will. And so from time to time, I'll go through a a certain uh, kind of a a spot where I'll listen to a lot of political podcasts. And so I was listening to this one political podcast for a season, and there was one episode um, where the, the, the host kept talking about a rhino. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but he kept talking about rhinos. Rhinos, 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 rhinos. And I'm sitting there listening to this and going, this isn't some type of a a zoo type podcast. This isn't type of an animal type podcast. And I'm kind of wondering, what is he talking about when he's talking about a rhino? Well, finally, about halfway through the hour long podcast, he finally got to the point and told me that what a rhino was, was a Republican in name only. Now we're not going to get into the political debate this morning, but I'm just going to tell you that the way he was using it was as he was using it to as more of a, a derogative way. But he was talking about individuals, especially in the political scene, that called themselves they were officially affiliated with the Republican Party, but their ideologies or the way they voted or the way they acted were not Republican. In nature. And as he's talking about these rhinos, it started making me think: how many kinos? <laughs> how many kinos do we have in this world today? People that come to church, people that put the right things on their Facebook profiles, people that say the right things when they're asked, people that come and that they know when to stand, they know when to sit down, but They're Christians in name only. I wonder how many of those we have in this world today. One of the things with this COVID-19, especially with the political and social and cultural environment we're in, I believe we're seeing a greater division. We're seeing a greater separation between those that are truly Christians, those that are truly born again, those whose hope and their devotion and their priority is Christ, and those who are not. But the decision to be either a Christian in name only or a Christian in authenticity is often a matter of a series of daily choices that we make. So this morning I want to speak to you out of Ephesians chapter 4. I hope you have a, have a Bible and you'll join me there in Ephesians chapter 4 because we are going to continue in our study through Ephesians that we've been working through. And this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 down through 24. If you came in, you got a bulletin, there'll be some notes that you want to reference those on the back as we walk through those. We definitely appreciate you, Greg, and those that serve with you leading us and men for taking up um, the offering. And so I hope that you will join me there in Ephesians chapter 4 because I want to talk to you about some. Haley, choices. Paul has the first few chapters of Ephesians. He's talking about doctrine. He's talking about things, principles, precepts that, could guide, that should guide the church. Then he moves here in chapter 4 and he starts talking about application, about the things that should mark us. And he talks about uh, things that should mark us corporately as a body of believers. But this morning, he's going to turn, if you will, and he's going to talk about the individual. He's going to talk about the individual Christian, the individual person. And he's going to talk about the choices that we make. The decision that we follow. The things that we do that tell the world and tell us and tell God whether we are a Christian in name only or whether we are the real deal. Now it would be easy for me to ask for a show of hands who says that they're saved. It can be easy for you to raise your hand. It can be easy for you to say the right things. It can even be easy for you to think that just because you said a prayer and you walked an aisle and you got wet at some point in your life, that means that you now have fire insurance and that no matter what you do for the rest of your life, you are saved. And I'm not here to try to give you doubt or try to lead you to believe that what you've done, the mistakes you've done have canceled out your salvation. But I am here this morning to ask you, Are you a Christian in name only? Paul's is going to get to this, the writer there this letter to the church there in Ephesus he's going to get to this and talking about their walk before God and I I know you can slice it different ways I'm just going to slice it and he's going to talk about four daily decisions that we make and here's where I'm kind of driving to you, see this, see this at the top of your notes, my question for us is which self will you choose? Now hopefully that'll be a little clearer towards the end of our time together this morning but the question is, is which self will you choose? So let me quickly jump into these four daily decisions that Paul puts before us. The first decision is that of direction. The first decision is that of direction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up in verse 17. If you will follow along in your copy as I read from mine, this is what Paul says in verse 17. He says, now. So he's starting kind of a new thought. He's starting kind of a new transition. Uh, many of your Bibles, this will be a whole new heading, a whole new uh, paragraph, a whole new pericope, if you will. So he starts and he says, now I'm going to start a different thought. So he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So right here, Paul says one of the decisions that you make every single day is what direction you are going to go in. Now you may say, well, Spence, he's not talking to me. Yes, he is. Look, he says in verse 17 that you, he's using the the direct, he's using the direct language to say, now this I testify to you that you must not walk as the Gentiles do. He's directing it to the the individual and he's understanding that there is a walk. Now what is Paul talking about there? Paul's not talking about the direction that you walk when you go, and you get up in the middle of the night and you go to the bathroom. He's not talking about the direction that you're going to walk when we get done here this morning and you go that way or you go this way. He's talking about not just our daily walk in our physical sense, but he's talking more importantly about our spiritual walk. And he says every morning when you wake up, you make a decision, you make a choice which direction you are going to walk in your spiritual life. Every single morning you wake up and you make a decision which way you're going to go when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul makes it very clear. He says you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Paul's putting it before us that when it comes to our, our daily walk in this life, we are either walking towards the light or walking towards darkness you may say well Spence I want there to be a gray area well everybody does the problem is is that either you're walking towards God and towards Jesus Christ which is the light or you're walking towards this world and towards sin, which is darkness. You're walking in either direction. And the, the question is, 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 which direction are you going? I can't make that decision for you. I can't make that decision on your behalf. I can't be in your house every single morning when you wake up and saying, this is what you should do. But Paul says, when it comes to our life as a Christian, every single morning, we get up and we make the decision, which direction am I going to go? I don't know when it starts. Nobody really told me when it starts. But I'm entering that phase of life where I'm waking up in the middle of the night. And used to, I remember people like Ronald, they would tell me about having to wake up two or three times in the middle of the night and I'd be like, that's not me. When I go to sleep, I stay asleep. I don't have any problem sleeping throughout the night and yet here I am. Old and decrepit. Worn out in life. Finding myself and in the morning like this morning I wake up and I have a decision to make. Either I'm going to head towards the closet to get ready for the day or I'm going to head towards the bathroom and I'm thinking both. <laughs> I've got to go both directions, but at the same time, in our spirituality, in our spiritual walk, either we are going to go towards God or away from God. And so Paul, in these first two verses here in our passage this morning, he wants to make it very clear that we are headed in a particular direction. He talks about in verse 18 about the Gentiles and the danger in walking in their direction is they are alienated. They're darkened in their understanding. They're ignorant of the things of God. And yet how many times do we wake up in the morning and the first thing we want to do is we want to go towards the world. How do we know that, Spence? Because they say, the statistics tell us that the first thing that the majority of people do in the morning is look at their phone. And they're not looking at their phone for their daily uh, verse of the day. They're not looking for what they're supposed to be reading. They're looking for Facebook. They're looking for Snap. They're looking for something on Twitter. They're looking for something on parlor, They're looking for something in, a, in some type of who is talking to me, what kind of text I've got, what I have going on. They're looking for that attention, and they're looking for that direction from the world. But unfortunately, in the day in which we're living in, it can be easy for, to you myself to be deceitful because we come into the church and we can put on a show and everybody thinks we're going in the right direction and yet if people were to come into our daily lives they would realize we're not and Paul wants us to understand that this thing being a Christian it's a matter of our direction it's a matter of the decisions that we make and I wish it was so simple. I wish it was just as easy as me saying, well, this is the one decision you've got to make and that's simple. No, life is a matter of all kinds of daily choices. A plethora, if you will, of regular choices. You go, you go to Sonic and do you know how many different drink combinations you can get at Sonic? One million... 63,953. That is how many, according to Sonic, you may have some more, but according to Sonic, that is how many different drink combinations they have. So you go, and I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I go to Sonic, I'm like, I'm not really sure what to get, and I'm not really sure what else to choose. And sometimes life can be like that. Sometimes life can be so overwhelming. You're not sure where you're supposed to go, how you're supposed to go. You're not sure what you're supposed to say yes to, and what you're supposed to say no to. And sometimes our direction becomes difficult. And so Paul says... It matters the direction you're going. So when you get up and that daily choice comes, is that direction pointing you towards God or is that direction pointing you away from God? But he's not done talking about these decisions. He next talks about our pursuit. He talks about our pursuit. Starting there in verse 19, he gives us this very clear direction. He says, do not walk like the Gentiles. This is why you don't want to walk like the Gentiles, because they're darkened in their understanding and they're ignorant of God. But then he goes on in verse 19 and he says, they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. He says that when you walk in the way the Gentiles go, then you will then do the things the Gentiles do. In other words, and I think I've said this before, to you direction determines destination the direction that you are going will determine where you will get to if I get out here on highway 66 and I head east I am not going to end up in Oklahoma City because my direction will determine my destination and so so many times people say well I don't know why I'm not growing closer to God and yet they're never doing the things that direct them towards God God and he, he says it's a matter of your pursuits. It's, it's a decision that you make. He tells us there in verse 19 that this is the danger of the Gentiles. they become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice all these kinds of immorality. And when he's talking about the Gentiles, he's talking about the lost people. He's talking about the world. He's talking about those that are outside of the church. He's talking about those individuals that we have around us right now. They say, well, it's cool to laugh at the things That God finds offensive. It's cool to say, well, it's just this one time. It's okay to do the things that God calls sin. Well, you know, the context has changed. You know, the situation has changed. So I realize that God said no back then, but you know, I'm sure God would say yes today. We start to adjust. We start to compromise. We start to corrupt the word of God. And the next thing you know, we are not pursuing the things of God. We're pursuing the appeal and the pleasure of man. And mark it down, brothers and sisters. Pursuit of sin leads to sin. Pursuit of sin leads to sin. He tells us there in verse 19 they have become callous and they have given themselves up. He says that and when they pursued after their ignorance the hardening of their heart when that was the direction in life then the, then the destination where they got to, the pursuit of where they got to was they pursued after sin and that led to sin. Always you will see all throughout scripture when people pursued after things that God said not to pursue. Pursue the destination, the end point was being separated from God. And it begins with a decision. It begins with a direction. It begins with the pursuit. And these are things that you have to decide on your own. These are things that you have to decide in your own personal life. These are things that we cannot do in a corporate gathering necessarily on just a Sunday morning. These are daily choices that you and I make every single day. But then there's this third one that he gives us and that starts there in verse 20. Notice how I've told you in the last few chapters that you have these, these, these transitions if you will. We talked about the butts that we saw in Ephesians talking about last week and, and where these places are at. So he puts another one right here. This compare and contrast if you will and so in verse 20 he says but that is not the way that you learned Christ he is looking at this church and he is saying I realize this is what the world's doing I realize this is what lost people are doing I realize that this is what the popular crowd is doing I realize that that's what these Christians in name only are doing I realize that that's what the culture says is acceptable but I want you to know that is not what honors God So he talks about our belief. And belief in many times is a day-by-day decision. Because notice in verse 20 and verse 21, he says, But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. It's a matter of what do you believe. Do you believe in what you have been told? Or do you believe in what the world says? Is John 3.16. It says, whoever believes has eternal life. What does it say in John 5.24? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes whom he sent me, him who sent me has eternal eternal life. What Paul is wanting to do is Paul is wanting to grab a hold of the church and say, church, every single morning you have to answer the question, do I believe that God's word is true? Do I believe that Christ has a plan for my life? Do I believe in my salvation? Do I believe in who I am? My identity in Christ. Do I believe those things? North of 105, there's some oil leases. From time to time I'm up there, (coughs) excuse me, I got a a work truck that I I believe is somewhere in the neighborhood, a seven to eight ton is what this thing weighs, and so I'll be traversing some of these dirt roads, and you get up there just north of 105, and there's some bridges, some shady bridges at best, And, and you'll come to some of these bridges, and there'll be a sign. Most county bridges have a sign, and they'll say what the weight limit or what the bridge is rated forward. So there's some of these bridges I can take you to that the sign says three ton. I I can do math even though I graduated well and I can do math and I know that if I'm weighing seven or eight ton that's more than three ton. But I get to that bridge and I'm thinking I'm already here. I mean, I'm already here, and is it talking about per axle? Is it talking about at 30 miles an hour? I mean, and surely they're going to underestimate these things. Surely, if that thing says three ton, it should surely be good up to 10 ton. I mean, they've got to have tested these things a little bit more. And so, and so I've, been that kind of, I've been that person that I've, I've eased up to it. And I look around, and I, and I look, is there a wash? Has Shelly been through here and, and tore the thing up? I'm looking around, and so I'll ease up to it, and I'll maybe do five or ten miles an hour, and I've driven over it they lied. That thing's good at least for eight ton. And so I'll drive across it and I'll go on up on my daily business. And then you know what happens the next time I get up to it? Do you think I go to it and just say, Ah, oh, well, it was good last time. It's sure good this time. No. I get up to it and I wonder again. The sign still says three ton. I know that I drove over it two days ago, but I'm still wondering, is it still going to hold me today? And so I get up and I look around and I think, Oh, yeah, I'll do it. But every single time I come to one of these bridges, every single time, the thought is in my head, What if it doesn't hold? And what if I'm that? What if I'm that guy calling my boss and saying, "Boss, your truck is in the creek because the bridge collapsed." Well, did you know the bridge is collapsed? I, I had no idea the bridge was going to collapse. Well, what did the, the sign say? It said three tons. <laughs> so you, knowing you weighed seven to eight tons, you drove across a three-ton bridge. Yeah, why? Well, it held me last time. You, can you imagine just those ideas in your head? But here's my point. Sometimes we come to God like that. We always are questioning whether God has us. We're always questioning whether God can do it. We're always questioning whether God will. We're always questioning is God enough? We're always questioning will God do it again? We're always having these doubts and these questions in my mind in your mind and in my mind too. And so Paul comes in and says it's a matter of belief. The matter of your direction. The matter of your pursuit. The matter of your heart. The matter of your obedience. The matter of your submission. The matter of your faithfulness to God. It's all A matter of belief. Because here's what I want you to understand. If God is God, then anything. Because if God is God, then what he says is true. If God is God, then he can handle it. If if God is God, then it's not a matter of us trying to play God or trying to second guess God. If God is God, then that settles it. And in the same way if Jesus is the Christ then why do we have doubts? That's what we talk about in this Christmas season, and that's the whole message behind the Christmas season: is that God sent His Son. His Son came and took on the flesh, was born in the manger, was born as a child, a baby, grew in perfection, grew into manhood, gave His life, sacrificed His life, paid that penalty so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins, so that we know, in our lost state, being dead in our sin, we could come, confess of our sins, repent of our sins, cry out for salvation, and Christ. Could save us because of the work he did on the cross and this all begins during what we recognize as the Advent the, the Christmas season when Jesus came to man when God came in the flesh to us and we recognize that and we say oh yes we're so happy that Jesus came but then yet when it comes to our daily lives we think well he is not enough So Paul says, if you learned this and if you were taught in truth, then why in the world would you want to follow after the Gentiles unless you believe that the Gentiles have the better ideas? Or unless you believe that God's not really going to punish sin? Or unless you believe that God hasn't spoken about this sin or unless you believe that God's not really watching your life or unless you believe that God really isn't paying attention or unless you believe that God really isn't God and Jesus really isn't the Christ but if all those things are true then how could we be so flippant when it comes to sin how could we how could we take these things for granted Growing up in our grandparents' house, there was always a rumor that if you came into our grandma's house with a hat on, especially if you sat down at the table with a hat on, the rumor was that my grandma would come in and she would grab a hold of the top of the hat and she would grab hat and hair all at the same time and she would rip that hat off your head and say, no hats at the table. She'd probably be a little nicer about that, but that'd be the general thrust of it. Now, I'll be honest with you, I never wore a hat at the table. Because I believed that grandma would do that. I believe if Grandma said she would do it, that she would do it. And so it wasn't one of those things that I'd wear a hat until I saw her come around the corner and I'd take it off real quick. No, I believe that because she said it, that that is what she would do. And so I didn't wear a hat. And yet so many different times, brothers and sisters, so many different times, friends, God's Word says don't do it. Or God's Word says do it. And you and I sit back and we kind of have this thought in our hand, man, well, I don't know. I don't know if he's really serious or not. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. I don't know if he's keeping score or not. I don't know if he's paying attention or not. I don't know if he's said anything about it or not. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the matter of belief is a personal decision that you and I make on a daily basis. And that is one of the differences that make uh, make a, a marked uh, description or a marked distinction between those that are Christian in names only and those that are those uh, those that are authentic in their relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me give you this last one. This last decision that Paul's going to talk about is a matter of growth. We talked about this last week, talking about growing up. Talking about what it looks like to grow up, but the reality is, is that a daily growth, your spiritual growth, your growth in your Christian life, it's, it's a personal decision. It's a personal choice. And we can have Sunday school and we can encourage you to come to Sunday school so you can be taught God's Word, so you can be equipped with God's Word. We can invite you to come because we want you to know more about God's Word than you did. But just because you have God's Word in your mind doesn't mean you get it to your heart. And that doesn't mean there's spiritual growth. I can encourage you to read your Bible. We can have daily Bible reading plans. And I can encourage you to be in your Bible every day. We can do the devotionals. And we can have this. And we can have this. We can do all these things in front of you. But until you start to ingest those, not just into your mind, but into your heart, growth is always stunted. So he says that growth. Growth is a personal choice. So he says, notice there in verse 22, these last three verses. He says, Assuming, I'm going to back up to verse 21. He says, assuming that you've heard about him or taught him as the truth is in Jesus, then notice what he says. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. That is all one sentence there in this English translation that I'm looking at, but he is saying that because you're in Christ, because of your belief in Jesus Christ, because of your knowledge of God, because of who you are as a saved individual, because of your identity as a Christian, then this is what happens. You put off the old self, and you put on the new self. In other words, change is inevitable. But progress is optional. Change is inevitable, but progress is optional. I know there's people in this world today that say, I can't stand change. Everybody changes every single second. What do you mean, Spence? We get older every single second. We are always in one state of a change or another. Do you know this? And this is according to the internet, so of course it's always subject to uh, uh, Snoops or Snoops or whatever that website is, you can check it up on. But according to the internet, every single one of us in this room, on average, lose between 340 million to 450 million skin cells a day. I don't know. Can you imagine? You're changing so much that every single day you're sloughing (laughs) 400 million skin cells and you never even notice it because your body's regenerating you're constantly in a state of change you're constantly growing whether you're growing older or rather growing uh, not growing lesser but if you're growing older or if you're growing more mature or you're going in decline whatever the case may be growth is always happening and this idea that Paul says is that when it comes to this personal walk what is the key to growth in God is to put off the old self and to put on the new self And this whole put off and put on is one of the keys of a Christian discipleship before God. Because every single morning, you and I wake up and we have a decision to make. Am I going to put off my old self, which my old desires, my old inclinations, my old habits, my old behaviors, my old identity, all the things that I wanted to do my old life, or am I going to put on the new life that I have in Christ? And so he reminds us right there in verse 20, the last part of verse 20, he says the former manner of life which is and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He's reminding us that the desires of our heart the desires of our heart is really who we are. Well, I put there in your notes the desires reveal your heart. And one of those things that we need to understand is that every single day is a decision. You'll have individuals they will come up and they and they will say preacher you're not know, I'm just struggling I'm, I'm struggling with this attitude. I'm struggling with this behavior. I'm struggling with this vice. I'm struggling with this decision. And many times, the reason is, is they have not put off the old self. Every single morning, they keep putting on the old self, keep putting on the old self, keep putting on the old self, and they wonder why there's no change in their life. We'd have guys on the rigs. They wear the same clothes all week long. (laughs) I mean, it's all they would do is they just wear the same clothes, the same nasty clothes. They would get to work, and they would put on the same nasty clothes they had yesterday. And you're like, do you not want to put on clean clothes? No. They were just satisfied with sitting in their sweat and their filth and their soiledness. They were happy being where they were. And I wonder how many times God looks at us and says, why are you just wallowing in your sin? same sin you were in yesterday, the same sin you were in the day before, the same sin you were in last week. Why are you just sitting in your old identity when my son has died on a cross so that you might have a new identity in him and all it is is a matter of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. It's a matter of saying my direction is going to be towards God. My pursuit is going to be for the things of God. My belief is that God has a plan and a purpose for my life if I will just follow after him and so my personal walk, my daily discipleship is a matter of getting up in the morning and saying that's who I used to be but this is who I'm going to be in the name of Jesus Christ. And we get up. And we put off that old self and we put on that new self. See, sometimes we want it to be instantaneous. We want that quick fix. January one's is coming. We're going to make those New Year's resolutions. And we're going to think, man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And then you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to come home from the gym. And I'm going to look at it and go, ah, it didn't work. Nah, maybe next year, January 2nd, I just sleep in. It didn't work. Because see, sometimes we think that it's a matter of just that quick fix. We want that instant gratification. And one of the things that we need to understand when it comes to our spiritual walk before God, many things are forged in the daily practice of obedience and following after God. you want to know how you grow in your faith? By working at it every single day. So what is Paul getting at here in this passage? He wants to remind us the purpose of our growth. He says it's the last part of verse 24. He says to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What Paul wants us to understand this morning is that growth begins on the inside. That is where it starts. Your growth. Your Christian walk. It's a daily choice that begins on the inside that then manifests and demonstrates itself on the outside. You want to know when we look around and we see people that we would say are Christian in name only or people that are just walking the walk but but they're not really living it on the inside side are they good at putting on the show and putting on the face but then you know that behind it they are soiled and they are broken and they are sinful lost individuals you say what in the world is going on it's because they are convinced that if they can fool you they can fool God and yet if you go to the passage in the scripture when Jesus comes to rapture the church he doesn't come and say, Who all's with me? Come on. <laughs> no. No, he already knows who's with him. Matthew chapter 25, whenever he's sitting there at the judgment time and he's separating the geese, the, the, the sheep from the goats, he's not looking and saying, Now, no, you, you all need to have a name tag. Which one are you lost? Which one are you saved? No, 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 no. He already knows. So it's not a matter of what you did, your deceitfulness, or your image that you put in front of other people. It's a matter of the condition of your heart. And God knows the condition of your heart. And so I'm here pleading with you this morning the same way that Paul is pleading you with the, from this letter there to the church in Ephesus to say, do you not understand that your daily choice is a matter of growth in your spiritual walk? And your growth in your spiritual walk individually will affect the growth of this church Corporately. So then it's not a matter of a new program or another methodology. It's a matter of us individually being the most faithful men and women of God that we can. So we had 35 yesterday morning at our men's breakfast, and we still had chairs empty. And you know how we can see us be able to reach and impact more men? is we invite more men. Well, Spence, not all of them are going to come. I know they're not going to come. I, I, I understand that. But we can invite them. And I wonder, like sitting there yesterday, I, I wonder how, how many men in that room invited another man in that room. You see there's an opportunity that we have as a church and there's an opportunity that we have as an individuals to see more people reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ by simply the daily choice and the daily decisions we make so how do we measure how do we measure where we're at in our walk before God three statements and then we'll be through this morning the first statement I want to leave you with is this your choices reflect your witness your choices reflect your witness. So if you decide to choose after the things of the world. If you decide to choose after the things that are popular. If you decide to choose after the things that are more appealing to the world around you. You are saying something about your witness. You are saying something about who you belong to. You are saying something about your priorities. You are saying something about your pursuits. And you are saying something about your desires. Your choices reflect your witness. So if you and I go to the restaurant and you order mushrooms that tells me something about you. We go to the restaurant and you want to pray before we eat that tells me something about you. Cuz your choices reflect your witness. The second statement I want to leave you with is that you follow what you believe. You follow What you believe. If you believe that bridge will hold you, you will drive across it no problem. If you believe the chair will hold you, you will sit down in the seat. No problem. If you believe that God is God and that God sent his son to die for your sins and that now you are forgiven and you are saved because of your confession and repentance before him and you believe that now you've been given a new identity you are now a new creation 2 Corinthians 5.17. You believe that you are now forgiven of your sins freed from the bondage of your sins and if you believe that then you will follow after that. But if you wonder if God could ever save you or if you start to think that maybe there's too many bad things in your life or you just get up in the morning and you just keep putting on the old self then you will start to have doubts and continue to have doubts. Which leads to the last one. That you choose which self to live. You notice there in the text that we read this morning that Paul doesn't say that you have to do one or the other. He just simply leaves it as a choice. He leaves it at his decision there in verse 22, verse 23, and to verse 24. And he says, put off the old self and put on the new self. Translation, it is a choice every day when you and I get up, which self we're going to put on, which self we are going to live. When you wake up, you may say, well, you know what, Spence, I put on the new self for four days in a row, and I'm going to tell you, Satan still has that old self close by. He still has that old self waiting in the wings. And you may say, Well, Spence, you know what? I got up in the mornings and I put on that new self, and then it seemed like lunchtime there was a transformation. I'm going to tell you what happened. That you got around lunchtime, Satan got to you. And you swapped clothes. And it's a daily decision, it's a daily challenge. It's a daily, it's a daily struggle to continue to put on that new self and put off that old self and you and myself we choose which self to live in so which self did you put on this morning well Spence I'm here at church it's three foot of snow outside of course I'm one of the frozen chosen (laughs) I'm one of the good guys I'm on the A team I don't know you're here but you could still have put on the Christian name only outfit because you could still be here and your life is riddled with distractions. Your life is riddled with divided priorities. Your life is riddled with unrepented sin. Your life is not who God desires for you to be. And you can even be here this morning in need to repent of your sins. Or you can be here this morning saying, Spence, I am not everything that I wish I could be. I'm not everything that God has enabled me to be. But I am growing in my relationship with God every single day. Because when I get up, my direction is toward God. My pursuit is toward God. My belief is in God. And I'm going to keep growing in my walk before God. As long as God gives me another day to live. Which self are you living in today? Would you bow your heads with me?